Happy Friday, Story Fam. Yes, it is Friday the 13th. And yes, summertime is almost over. And yes, it's time to go back to school. And yes, another COVID surge is happening in our city. And yes, fill in the name of your least favorite politician here. He's still a moron. And yes, it's 150 degrees outside with 150% humidity. But hey, it's still a happy Friday. I'm convinced. Do you know why? It's because your creator is enamored with you. You are handcrafted in his image. And even though sin has distorted our perspective, he forgives us and reminds us who we are every day. And nothing can stop his love for you. And he intends to love you so well that one day you're going to look in the mirror and you're going to see his image looking back at you. These are not just sappy sentiments of superstitious and wishful thinking. No, these are all statements of fact based on the life, teachings, death, and resurrection of Jesus, through whom God's heart for humankind was revealed. Therefore, in all circumstances, we who follow Jesus remain joyful, and every Friday is a happy one. This Sunday at the Story is going to be extra special. I'm going to start a new series of messages called The Next Chapter, which is going to include the unveiling of the Story's updated mission statement and our new core values as well. And along with that, we're going to have a few more details over the next few weeks about our congregation's future as we get ready to depart St. Luke's United Methodist and to become an independent congregation. Also, with the new school year upon us, we're going to be blessing all of our young students at all of our worship services this Sunday. So don't miss it. It's going to be great. If you're in town and uh, you're not high risk for COVID-19, I hope that I get to see you in person for this important and exciting day. Otherwise, please join us online for worship. Now let's get to this week's reflection, which is a reprisal of a message that I shared over a year ago at the story on how to live as Christians in the age of COVID. So here it is, 10 Commandments of COVID Christianity Revisited. As our COVID-weary world wrestles with yet another spike in infections and hospitalizations, how should the Church of Jesus Christ respond? With today's Friday Grace and Truth Reflection, I'd like to revisit some of the remarks that I shared last May, May of 2020, when the pandemic was still in its infancy, in a message called Christians in the Age of COVID-19. You can find the message online on our YouTube channel or on our website, thestory.church. But first, I want to remind us all that in good times and in bad, the Christian life should always be marked by prayer. Prayer is the power source of every believer. If you've been feeling powerless in the face of this pandemic or our society's response to it or the politics surrounding it or the surge of cynicism within your own soul, I want you to check your prayer life because it's very likely that you've got a deficit in that department. With prayer comes the power to cope with and overcome every circumstance. And so I invite you to join me in prayer daily for this exhausted world and especially for healthcare professionals fighting this disease as well as those in their care and their families. As part of this last year's message on COVID and Christianity, I offered my own version of the Ten Commandments for followers of Jesus who are seeking to be faithful in times like these. I thought it might be fun and insightful to revisit some of these commandments um, over a year later. Again, this was from mid-May of last year. And to briefly summarize each one, and then I'll um, offer a few up-to-date revisions here and there as well. So here we go. Like Noah at the ark, I'm going to take these commandments two at a time. Okay, the first one, first two actually, thou shalt not watch worship. And the second is thou shalt watch 
what you worship. Now, for a variety of reasons, around 30%, which more or less is about 300 people, of our pre-COVID community is still worshiping online only and hasn't yet returned to any in-person gatherings. On the flip side, the good part is we've had over well over 500 new people discovering the story um, through our online campus and or in person since March of 2020. So it's a net gain. And especially if you consider that those 300 are still with us online. And I'm talking to some of you right now, and I understand the reasons for not coming back yet. Um, Now, all that being said, I think it's obvious that online worship has been a godsend to us during these trying times. But I also want to reiterate what I said last year when everyone was um, just worshiping online. 100% of us were. Um, And I want us to be careful about avoiding the habit of watching church online. Because worship and church are not things to be watched. Here's a direct quote from last year's sermon. Worshiping online requires you to really get your head in the game. I know that there are distractions and technical difficulties. I know it doesn't feel the same. We all know that, but I'm also encouraging you to make your at-home worship experience as sacred as possible. Prepare your home beforehand. Prepare yourself beforehand. Prepare your family for at-home worship like you would if you were coming to the church building to worship. And sing like you would sing here. Actually, you can even sing louder at home because you don't have to worry about anyone hearing you or judging your voice or making fun of you. Uh, You can just let it rip. Now, almost as important as not watching worship is watching what you worship. Because the people and the things, the media and the websites that we choose to give our attention to, to lay our eyes on, can so easily become objects of worship for us without us even noticing it. This is especially true in times like these, when everyone's afraid, everyone's exhausted, frustrated, and on edge. Only God is worthy of your highest praise and worship, and that's so important to remember in times like these. Commandments 3 and 4. Thou shalt not live in fear. Thou shalt cut your media intake in half. Now, this is a big one, y'all. I believe what I shared last year in that sermon still applies today, verbatim. So here it is, verbatim, okay? I said, The Onion is a satirical news site that recently posted a headline that really spoke to me. It read, Depraved Masochist Enjoys Watching the News. The news is like strong coffee, you know, in small doses, it can really wake you up. But there comes a point at which overconsumption starts to work against you. And when you watch the news, be smart. If you're a liberal person or progressive who watches MSNBC more than the others, or CNN maybe, just recognize what they're trying to do to you. And ask yourself why they're trying to do that to you. And then choose to turn it off when you've had your fill. If you're a conservative, you know, on the other hand, who might watch Fox or some other conservative news outlets that are out there, I just want to encourage you to recognize what they're trying to do to you and ask yourself why, and then turn it off. And just realize none of them are your friend. (laughs) Okay? They're all trying to do something to you. There's no such thing as the no-spin zone. Proverbs 15, 14 says, A wise person is hungry for knowledge, while the fool feeds on trash. So be careful to consume news media in small doses. Don't let them have you. By the way, everything I just said applies to social media as well, because that's where many of us, especially younger adults, are getting their news uh, these days. So be careful with social media. Commandments 5 and 6 for living as Christians in the age of COVID-19. Number 5, thou shalt not wander aimlessly. And number 6, thou shalt live intentionally 
These are very simple, very practical. These 18 months have presented us with one disruption after another. And some of us, let's be real, don't do well with disruption. Some of us really struggle with having our routines and rhythms disrupted. And many of us, including me and a lot of my friends, have struggled to reestablish our routines and rhythms um, at any point during this pandemic all the way up to today. And we're going to have to find ways of disciplining ourselves in ways that seem foreign to us, but we've got to do it. We've got to live intentionally. That's why we've spent so much time and attention over the last year and a half at the story talking about discipline and self-control and character formation with sermon series like um, The Cross-Shaped Life and Slow to Anger and Your Story, God's Glory. We've been talking about these ideas because they are so important to us on the day-to-day basis in which we all live. Commandments 7 and 8 are, Thou shalt not take relationships for granted. And number 8 is, Thou shalt schedule daily check-ins with loved ones. That's one of those, when I said it back then, it was like, oh, this is so easy. This is a, a, a giving, right? Check in with your loved ones every day. Well, if you don't schedule it and make it a point to do this, you're going to drop the ball here, especially when we're isolated because of COVID or whatever reasons. We just get busy or distracted. Now, in good times, it's easy for us to take community for granted and relationships for granted. But the last 18 months have really been a reminder for us of how vital human connections really are. People who went into the pandemic surrounded by loving and supportive friends and really invested in those relationships have tended to fare relatively well. But those who struggle to make and maintain meaningful relationships, those who have struggled to invest in friendships and community have struggled mightily during COVID-19. In our next chapter as a church, We're going to make a significant commitment at the story to place a greater emphasis on relationships and community, deeper roots, rather than just programming and and numerical growth. And I think this is going to better prepare us for whatever future disruptions may come our way. Finally, commandments 9 and 10 of living as Christians in the age of COVID. First, thou shalt not burn bridges with people just to score political points. That's a mouthful. And number 10, thou shalt wear a mask at H-E-B, probably. All right. So what I said last year, and this was funny to me how much this applies today, because I've still been having conversations with people about masks and with the rise of Delta, the Delta variant, and the rise of cases and hospitalizations in Houston. We have reinstituted some of our, our mask rules, at least for leaders and staff at the story. And if anybody's unvaccinated, we're strongly encouraging you to uh, mask up if you're coming. So now what I said last year in last year's sermon last May was you would not believe how many people begged me not to urge y'all to wear a face mask to church. You can't say that. They told me people will leave the church. Somehow this face mask issue has become a bellwether for everybody. I forgot mine in the car the other day, and I thought that the people inside Whole Foods were going to crucify me. (laughs) I remember that day. (laughs) I think it's because we've all got these mixed messages coming at us from every direction every day. There are two sides to every issue, you know, and we've got to choose one side or the other. There's no nuance anymore. There's no conversation to be had. And I'm just as confused as you are. I don't know whether the government is trying to save my life or seize my freedom some days. Does the media really want to inform me of a very real and present danger, or are they trying to get us all to stay home and watch the news more because their ratings uh, enjoy 
the pandemic. Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. I don't always know what to do during times like these, but here's what I do know. This is, again, what I said last year and last May. I do know that the world is basically Whole Foods right now, and they're watching how Christians respond. And some of them like it when we do stupid stuff. It gives them a place to direct their anger. It gives Don Lemon something to talk about at night. I know we're stubborn people down here in Texas. It's kind of in our blood. Remember the Alamo. Come and take it. Don't mess with Texas. So when the government requires us to abide by their precautions, it might feel to us like an infringement on our rights. But for Christians, it should be as simple as this. We are here to make disciples of Jesus Christ. And to make disciples, you first have to make friends. And I can assure you that I wasn't about to make any friends at Whole Foods that day till I went back to my car and grabbed my mask. To them... I was just another conservative Christian who says he's pro-life, but apparently doesn't really care that people are dying and, and all of that. And I just want to be real clear. I do believe some of these precautions like masks and social distancing, and, and now I'll add this, the vaccines have saved many lives. And uh, I've, I'm vaccinated. My wife is vaccinated. We're debating about our, our kids um, in the future getting vaccinated. And, and I know that many of you have weighed these issues as well, but, but the fact that these things are saving lives should be reason enough for us at times to flex with the culture. But even if you're not sure about all of that, and you think it's all just a big political conspiracy, I'm saying we should do some of these things anyway, because flexing with the culture also comes with the added benefit of maintaining our integrity in the eyes of non-Christians around us we might not know and who might not know Jesus yet. Also, if we do that, it gives Don Lemon one less thing to talk about, which can't be a bad thing. And when this crisis is behind us, I do believe that Christianity is going to look vastly different. And if we cling to the past, we might get what we want. But if we embrace the present moment that God is calling us into, we might get what God wants. And I believe that God wants to revolutionize his church in this crisis. And I see the gospel beginning to make inroads into spaces previously controlled by darkness. And I see churches learning that church can happen anywhere. We've heard a lot about how COVID-19 has forced parents to become homeschool teachers and how Christians have become home church pastors. And I think that's beautiful in some ways. You know, it's easy for us to focus on all the deficits and drawbacks that the last 18 months have brought our way. And those losses are real. But I also think it's worth our time and attention to look at the hidden blessings of the season that we're in, not least of which is that we're learning new ways of trusting God every day. And every single day, we're given new opportunities to share God's hope and love with others. And that's as good as it gets for us as Christians. And that's just another reason why, even when things seem hopeless, we always have hope in Jesus Christ. All right, y'all, it was fun to revisit that sermon from last year and offer a few editorial comments. <laughs> Thank you for your time and attention with this. And I can't wait to see you again on Sunday at the Story Church. If you can't make it in person, join us online. You know where to find us. I love y'all so much. Bye, everybody.